Hey, Will. How are you? I'm doing... I don't want to say awesome because I don't no, want to say No, you always that. say you're I, awesome. I, I'm doing uh, really well. Okay, you're doing you? really well. Well, we had a really great guest today on the podcast. She's pretty amazing. Like you knew her yeah, before. Yeah, right? we're friends in the space. She's one of my, you know, functional medicine sisters for sure. Yeah. So Dr. Taz Bhatia uh, is a board certified integrative medicine physician and wellness expert. She's also the best-selling author of What Doctors Eat, The 21 Day Belly Fix, and Superwoman RX. And she's just promised that she's going to write Superman RX as well. She believes in empowering us to radically transform our lives through lifestyle, nutrition, and self-care to help us rediscover our own superpowers, which is not at all unlike your approach to taking care of ourselves. Sure. Today we're talking about so many good things that it will be applicable to so many people. So we cover thyroid health, testosterone, other hormonal imbalances. We talk about labs. We talk about supplements. Really good stuff. If you're struggling with fatigue or hormonal problems or gut problem or insulin resistance, I mean, we get into the thick of it in this conversation for sure. All right. Let's get into our conversation with Dr. Taz. So Dr. Taz, I love you. Can you tell everybody you know, a little bit about what you do, what your passion is as far as uh, healthcare is concerned? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an integrative health and wellness physician. I have a couple of practices in Atlanta and a team of providers, and we've worked really hard to help people put the pieces of their health back together. And I've always kind of called myself a champion of superwomen, a champion of the family. Mm-hmm. But with the events of the last year, I have come to understand that like there's a whole gap in men's health and mm-hmm. there's a whole big giant hole for lack of a better yeah. word of of things that need to happen there. So, you know, I'm truly passionate about seeing people to come come into their own power and watch how their life changes because of it and how their choices change and you know, it's just so fulfilling to me to to mm-hmm. to see people come into their own and really be able to impact our communities and our world in such positive ways. And so many times I think whether it's a child or a woman or a man or a family, they don't understand how tiny things sabotage them Mm -hmm. and prevent them from coming into their full potential and their full power. So I'm all about, at the end of the day, I think I'm about empowerment, but empowerment using the language of health and medicine and wellness. And for so long, it's been about women because women are often the center of a family and we have to keep pushing you guys into taking Mm -hmm. care of yourselves, Mm -hmm. which can be really exhausting sometimes, but such a necessary role that we as women, I think, have to embrace. But at the same time, you guys have your own story. And I think it's a really important story. It needs more play. It needs more airtime. It needs more of you guys coming Mm -hmm. together to support each other honestly without our influence because Mm -hmm. we speak differently and it can put up walls and resistance where the message is not received when it's coming from us. Clinically, when you see what you're seeing right now, as far as guys are concerned, um, we know that a growing number of guys are waking up to the fact that they have to take responsibility for their health and not just, you know, it's great that the, their partners or the women in their life are are nudging them. But you're, like you said, they have to take responsibility for themselves. Um, what are you seeing clinically with guys and, and the stuff that's going on with their health? Then, you know, there's a lot. And I think we can start with the basics. I think there's a lot of issues with chronic stress, mm-hmm. overwhelming stress, and then that's driving a lot of different behaviors. But that, you know, that's so easy 
to put into a box and and talk about. But when it comes to the real medical, tactical things that I'm dealing with, you know, heart health is probably number one. And Will, mm. I think you know, you know, my own husband had a heart attack in March, and you yeah. know, that's a separate story. So I think heart health is still a major issue amongst men, mm. and it is highly connected to stress. And you know. Uh, you know, there are days now in practice. When I first started the practice, I love to tell the story. When I first started the practice, it was very much founded in Chinese medicine, which is all about connecting the woman and the child. And if you know, their whole premise is you don't treat one without treating the other because they're a unit and you can't separate them out. Well, as the practice evolved, you know, we're just over a decade now. All these people were like, can you please see my brother? Can you see my husband? Can you see this person? And so all these men started coming into the practice. And of late, you know, there are days I'm like, have the women deserted me? Like, I'll go through like the whole day and it's all men. I'm like, what just happened here? But, you know, uh, all jokes aside, it's it's there's just a desperate need for, for them to own their health and understand how the pieces of their health fit together because heart health, cardiovascular health, uh, weight and weight management. And then more recently, I'm becoming aware of just this problem with male hormones and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. plummeting levels of testosterone and thyroid hormones in younger and younger men. And fertility issues. And fertility too. issues. Yeah. And I think that's a real big concern and is highly sure. connected to the environment and to gut health and to stress and to all these other things. Mm-hmm. But if I had to narrow it down to like my top three, those would probably be my top three. Mm-hmm. Right. So for the guys that are listening out there or a loved one out there that that's that wants the guys in their life to, to know this information, what are some signs and symptoms? What are some things in their life they could be noticing? Because it's something that you and I see clinically probably on an hourly basis, people with these issues. For the person that's out there that maybe doesn't have the labs yet to confirm it, that with thyroid issues, with these low testosterone issues, what, what would they be noticing? You know, you know, there's so many day-to-day symptoms that everyone can be aware of. And I think one of them is just your energy. Mm-hmm. When you're seeing a shift in your energy, you know, you were on top of the world. You could get 50 things done. You know, you had good focus and concentration. You had mental energy. You had physical endurance, physical energy. You had emotional energy where, like, you could take a certain amount of stress and not be affected by it. And now, like, the smallest thing makes you crumble. Fears, yeah. yeah, you know, so all of these energetic signs, I think, right. are clues that something is off. And, you know, so many men suddenly notice a shift where they lose their motivation, right? All their motivation goes out the window. They were like buying businesses, selling businesses, you know, uh, you know, making deals, all this other stuff. And that's like, I'm done. I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, some of that is evolution, like right. you're evolving and maybe you're changing, which is always good and always good to find what's new. But some of it is also your testosterone level mm-hmm. has dropped or your thyroid is off. Um, I think changes with weight. I think weight is a vital sign, whether we want to politicize weight or not politicize mm-hmm. weight. It's still a vital sign. So mm-hmm. if you're a guy who's been out there and you could you know, run and get to the gym two or three times a week and maintain your weight... Without, you know, and you haven't had some dramatic change in your eating patterns, and all of a sudden you're gaining weight Mm -hmm. or you're not losing weight, especially weight around the abdomen Mm -hmm. or even weight around sort of like your sides, like the sides of your Mm -hmm. waist and um, right around your chest as well. All of those are signs that there's a shift and usually a shift in insulin or a shift in one of the hormones that are determining kind of what your metabolism is doing. Mm -hmm. So I think weight uh, after energy, I would say weight is really a really great 
great uh, way of sort of picking up that, hey, something's off, something's changing. And right. everyone walks around with a lot of guilt. Oh, I ate X, Y, and Z a couple days mm-hmm. ago. Maybe that's why. Or I did this and maybe that's why. That can explain three to five pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming all other factors are equal. But if you're really, you know, noticing body composition changes that are dramatic, you mm-hmm. know, or weight changes that are a little bit more dramatic and, and you can't turn them around, that's a sign that something else might be going on. So mm-hmm. energy, weight, your mood is another one. You're more mm-hmm. anxious, you're more depressed. I think that's another way of gauging that something's off or something's changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, your libido for a lot of men, I think that for you guys is a big vital sign too. I think women are a little bit more checked down on that, but I think for mm-hmm. men that's a vital sign. If that's leaving or going or changing, something's mm-hmm. off hormonally. So those are a couple of ways for you to check in just day to day without, you know, having to run in and, and look at your numbers constantly. So what's the next step though? Right. So if, if you're feeling like, um, let's take the the weight gain. Yeah. So if you feel like your body composition is changing. So it's turned you on to the fact that something there's a bu- you're a bubble off plum things things aren't yeah. totally normal. Right. W- what's the next step? What do you do about it? So I think unfortunately still you have to be an advocate for your own health, mm-hmm. and I would encourage any of you because here's what you guys do. My husband did this too, uh-huh. even though he has me as a resource that he chooses <laughs> not to use. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, but I'm I'm teasing. He's adorable, but um, but he listens now for sure. But mm-hmm. you know he'll talk to his trainer or he'll mm-hmm. talk to. A buddy, or he'll talk to a business partner or something like that, and they'll say, Oh, yeah, like try this. This is going to work. This This is going to work. And so he, this is again humorous to me. I don't know if everyone will get it, but he's done two things recently that I've I've shown to like my team, and they have Uh been on the floor. Like he sent me a list. He's of the top five foods that improve thyroid function. Uh And I just looked at my, (laughs) looked at somebody, I'm like, (laughs) Wow, well, thank you. You know? And, And then he sent me a list of what his trainer wanted him to take, which included things like DHEA and some other stuff that I have his numbers, I know he doesn't need, you know? So what do you do to not take the wrong advice from everybody who seems to know a little bit about health and wellness these (laughs) days? You've got to be an advocate in that doctor's exam room, and you have to be an advocate for yourself. So if you don't have access to somebody like me or to Will or, you Mm -hmm. know, so many of of the other great practitioners that are out there, here are the numbers you should check or the levels you should check and they're covered by insurance so mm-hmm. nobody should have any issue with them it's more explaining to your physician or your doctor that it's important for you as the patient mm-hmm. to know what these are because mm-hmm. you want to understand what your normal is so for every man out there there are a couple of key things and well I'm sure you've talked about this before but I'll just reinforce them number one is mark uh, or mark and measure your inflammation so where uh-huh. is your CRP where is your homocysteine level you know hopefully everybody's taking notes somewhere, but I would Mm -hmm. make sure you're tracking that and understand where that is. Where is your total and free testosterone? Most men feel good over 400 Mm -hmm. at a total testosterone. When you're starting to fall under that, then it's important to understand what's happening there. And then where's your thyroid hormone and where are your adrenal glands, which is the DHEA. So just understanding where those four or five hormones are, I think is really important. And then taking a critical look at your diet 
and trying to see if there are any patterns in your diet, things you could maybe get away with in the past that might be affecting you more today than they used to because things have changed. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I see in terms of patterns with men is a lot of alcohol consumption. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is over business and deal making and, and, you know, that type of thing. Or just Mm -hmm. it's a way for guys to bond, right? I mean, even my buddies from medical school, like they were visiting me recently and like every time they're all together, it's it's the alcohol festival, you know. Yeah, so right. so it's a way for guys to bond, but at the end of the day, that is dropping your testosterone. It's affecting how much fat you store. It's it's affecting insulin, yeah. and you can't really get away with it after a certain age. So looking at simple things like that, the amount of sugar you're consuming, trying to make those changes in your diet while you're also trying to get yeah. these numbers in and understand if there's a hormonal reason that you're shifting, not just a not just a age reason. So many sure. people want to blame it on age, and age is just age is honestly irrelevant most right. of the time. Um, most mm-hmm. of the time, you can manage what's happening if you have the information. And the problem, of right. course, with alcohol is that it's the gateway to a bunch of other bad decisions totally, too. Yes, so they're like, yeah. you, you add compounded. Okay, well, and then I'll just order this cheeseburger, and then I'm going to order these fries, and, right. then I, and then I'm going to have some ice cream, and all of this is easier to do after you had a couple of drinks. And 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 if you didn't have all the crappy food, the alcohol probably wouldn't be as much of an issue, but then you add the alcohol on right. top of all the crappy food and suddenly you're dealing with mm-hmm. like a whole whole hodgepodge of inflammation. Totally. And then the other right. issue too, so many doctors want to do a lot of hormone replacement. Mm-hmm. And again, going you know back to some of the people that I see, they, they're always asking for hormones. Hormones right. are fine, right? And they're necessary mm-hmm. in the right amounts and in the right way. But if you give them to somebody who has a poor functioning gut or has a very toxic liver, Mm -hmm. then those hormones don't do what they're supposed to do. They add to the equation of toxicity. You're getting converted into the wrong way Mm -hmm. or contributing to estrogen, you know, uh, deposition and all that other stuff. So, you know, it's important to know the numbers. It's important to know where you are, but the diet, the gut health component of it, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the cleanliness of your life and your choices and things like that really are important because unfortunately there are no band-aids there are things that can make you feel better mm-hmm. but if you do them out of proportion to sort of the the day-to-day lifestyle things mm-hmm. then those things to uh, hit a hit a roadblock you know just right. and that's the problem you know that we have in conventional medicine that we'll put band-aids on things but right. at some point they no longer work mm-hmm. yeah some some things that I see as far as those hormone replacement uh, therapies is that they're initially given them from their conventional doctor or hormone doctor and they're staying they're not there's no checkup there's no follow-up as far as maybe it's excess amounts and which can lead to hormone resistance problems or maybe it's not enough do you see that a lot with people too oh my goodness all the time Mm -hmm. i see it all the time and you know as conventional doctors try to get into the field but without the functional or the integrative understanding behind all Mm -hmm. of it, you'll see a lot of heavy-handed hormone replacement, Mm -hmm. and you'll see the fallout from that. You know, like, there are a lot of people, well, I don't know how you feel about this, but there are a lot of people doing pellet therapy. So a lot of men, so that's where you have this device that's implanted, like, under your wrist Uh or under your forearm, and it secretes this massive dose of hormones. And so, you know, whether it's testosterone in men or estrogen, progesterone in women, and... You know, so many men will talk to each other and, yeah, I felt amazing. I did pellets and I'll get my numbers and like their testosterone levels are through the roof. Mm -hmm. But if you continue to follow them, then you find out like you wouldn't find it in day 
in the first month of pellet therapy, mm-hmm. you would find it maybe towards 90 days, six months, a year out. Then you find that that test- excess testosterone is converting either into estrogen or is triggering inflammation or it's doing right. other things in the mm-hmm. body that shouldn't be doing. And you might be waking up genetics that don't need to be woken up, you mm-hmm. know? So that's why this mm-hmm. whole thing really needs a holistic approach. It needs mm-hmm. a well-rounded approach, um, not a linear approach. You know, most men think very linearly, I have this and therefore this I is the solution, yeah. you know? But it unfortunately, health is, you know, we are not linear creatures. We're not one-dimensional creatures. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to health and wellness, we have to factor in like how all of this plays into you know what you're doing so you know a lot of men come to me and they want testosterone I'm like fine I'm gonna we are gonna do testosterone I'm not saying no but we're gonna do it after we get your gut corrected we clean up your liver we get basic nutrients in you and guess Mm -hmm. what when we do that the amount of testosterone you need is very little Mm -hmm. and sometimes we don't need it at all because the body reboots and takes care of itself Mm -hmm. you know and that's always amazing to see I know so yeah, so that's I see that a lot too. What you said about the, the um, basically the conversion, the over aromatization of testosterone to estrogen, um, because these guys are insulin resistant. Right. They have the insulin resistance that's really uh, creating a lot of their problems. Can you maybe explain a little bit about that and how insulin resistance can really drive someone's low testosterone? So fixing the insulin resistance can really help the T levels. And maybe just explain what insulin resistance is. That would be so yeah, and insulin resistance, I think if we wanted to boil everything down uh-huh. to one issue, that might be our issue, right? Mm-hmm. Because insulin resistance for everyone listening today, insulin resistance is basically where over time your insulin levels don't naturally rise and fall with food consumption like they would, you know, when you were younger or when you were healthier. So you eat, your insulin goes up, you know, as a blood sugar level stabilize, it comes back down. At mm-hmm. some point, because of stress, we feel like, because of our food quality and food consumption and the overconsumption because of alcohol, that insulin level stays elevated. Uh-huh. And when that insulin level stays elevated rather than naturally coming back down, that triggers inflammation. And that persistent inflammation is then the gateway to all the different diseases that we're seeing today. And we also know that it's the gateway to a lot of the mental health conditions we're seeing today. So that's why it's very difficult to have a conversation or to treat anything without dealing with insulin resistance and dealing with inflammation. Otherwise, we're just band-aiding. We're just plugging mm-hmm. holes. We're not dealing with the the root issue. But, um, but we're, as it pertains to hormones, the issue there is with chronic inflammation, then you give somebody hormones, you're going to continue to perpetuate the inflammatory cycle because when you give testosterone or thyroid or estrogen or any of these hormones, they ultimately are metabolized in two places. They're metabolized in the liver and they're metabolized in the gut. So if both of those mechanisms are failing for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. then you're not going to have the right bioavailability, meaning those hormone levels, those hormones are not going to be delivered to the tissues in the way they need to be delivered. And instead, they're going to contribute to this concept of insulin resistance and inflammation. So you sort of perpetuate the cycle rather than breaking the cycle would probably be, I think, the easiest way to explain Mm -hmm. it. And then when you Mm -hmm. do have this 
issue. Remember, the more estrogen-heavy we all become, even men. Men are sometimes shocked to learn that they have estrogen. But that's another one that I didn't mention mm-hmm. that probably needs to be measured because the more estrogen-heavy anyone becomes, the more insulin-resistant they become because mm-hmm. the estrogen and insulin often go hand-in-hand. Hand. So that's why women in menopause have such a tough time mm-hmm. because they tif- typically are having an issue with metabolism of estrogen along with insulin resistance. So, And they're, they're estrogen-dominant because they've lost their progesterone. So anyhow, so that's that would probably be the best way I'd explain it. Well, I don't know if you have a better way of, of no. painting that picture, but... You brilliantly said it. Uh, it's something that I see a lot where guys, you're right, they want to come in, they want to get the testosterone, but it has to be put into context with the interplay of all the different variables in their body. You said it perfectly. Yeah, and you know, again, I can't drive home enough, the gut component, the gut component, the gut component, and how right. big that is when it comes to some of these hormones. So how do you yeah, fix absolutely. the gut? How do you fix the gut? <laughs> so again, a lot of it's going to be diet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it is really cleaning up your diet, looking for those inflammatory foods, and if they're coming in, starting very generally. Not everybody needs to be as specific as avoiding all lectins and things like that, mm-hmm. but but starting in a very general way by lowering alcohol consumption, lowering high sugar, you know, high fructose corn syrup, lowering consumption of those type of things, uh, lowering dairy, lowering gluten, watching your meat consumption. You don't necessarily. I'm not one in the vegan camp. I don't think you have to be vegan, but the portions of meat and the amount of meat that we're consuming, especially in in men, is just too much. It's too much for the gut to handle. It's too much for the liver to handle. So again- Why why is that? I'm curious. So meat, first of all, is a really tough protein to digest, Mm -hmm. you know, period, end of story. If you've already had gut issues where you might have declining levels of your digestive enzymes, there's mm-hmm. a specific digestive enzyme that breaks meat down. You know, if you're already having some some sort of slowdown in your metabolism and slowdown in your gut health, then a lot of those enzyme levels go down. So it's mm-hmm. hard to break up what you're eating into little pieces and then again have it packaged off and sent mm-hmm. off to wherever it needs to be in the body to extract the amino acids from it. So it's very difficult to break down for everyone, you mm-hmm. know. But again, going back to, you know, the new science of genetics and how we should be eating or how we should eat for our particular type or things like that, there are people that need to eat some meat because it's very hard for them to get their protein levels up to where they need to be in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, how they feel overall and what they need overall. But the problem is, is that, you know, you'll give somebody permission to eat meat, but then they're eating these massive steaks or they're eating like, you know, a whole chicken breast. Well, honestly, the amount of meat that's really needed in a given day, if you're doing it for health and for protein and for some of those reasons, which is important, men need a lot more protein even than women to a certain extent, then it's literally a half a chicken breast, you know, a quarter of a standard size steak. Usually your palm of your hand is a good a guesstimate mm-hmm. about of, of how much meat you really need to be eating in a given day. And the rest of your protein can come from other sources. So I think um, people don't realize, men in particular don't realize, you know, how tough meat can be. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, I think you guys here in California might be a little bit more evolved, but I know at least in the South and in the North and in the Midwest, I mean, having that steak dinner is business 101, mm-hmm. right? Rewarding yourself with that, you know, big steak dinners or things like that is, is a common, common cultural practice. So I think that those are the places where men can get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that like anecdotally for me, when I have gone without meat and tried to just focus on an entirely plant-based diet, I end up 
and having lots of digestive issues yeah. and not feeling great. Yeah. Um, but again, if I go just if I, if I find that nice sweet spot of having a, a you know a, a sensible amount, whether it's like a three to four ounces of, of of animal protein with a significant amount of vegetables, with that I feel a lot better. And that's true for so many people. I mean, looking even within our own family, I'm I'm like you. I have to have, and I've noticed when I try to go completely vegetarian or vegan, I have a really rough time the following day. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like my energy's lower, my endurance is lower, all that other stuff. And the gram for gram protein is equivalent. You right. know, it's just the bioavailability of certain amino acids. So, you know, I need meat. I need a certain amount in the day. Mm-hmm. I don't need too much, but I need a little bit of meat. I need mm-hmm. red meat, quite honestly, because my iron keeps dropping. Mm-hmm. Whereas my husband, mm-hmm. you know. If you look at his his lineage and his heritage, he comes from primarily a vegetarian background. Mm-hmm. The diet of eating a lot of meat and sustaining his energy with meat, it doesn't work for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he does yeah. much better as like an 85% vegetarian mm-hmm. and having meat occasionally if he wants it or if he wants, you know, if he's out somewhere or something like that. So that's where... You know, that might be hard for the average person listening. They're like, okay, now I'm confused. Like, am mm-hmm. I supposed to eat meat or am I not supposed to? What am I supposed to do? I think it's just moderation until you are able to get the information that sort of more scientifically matches you to exactly what you need to be doing, you know? And not everybody is going to have access to that information, and that's okay. I don't Mm -hmm. think that means that, you know, you're signing up for bad health for the rest of your life. But what I do think, you know, the biggest reminder is is that there there are things we know, and if you stick to those two or three things that we know as universal truths, then you're going to be okay, you know? And if you want to optimize to that next level, then that's where you know, you need to seek one of us out. And I think mm-hmm. those general rules are watching alcohol consumption, watching sugar consumption to lower kind of this gut comp- issue of candida that we're seeing over and over mm-hmm. again, uh, lowering meat consumption. And with sugar, does that include fruit? And- it includes fruit mm-hmm. because a candida is one of the number one gut issues that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if well, you're seeing that too, but candida mm-hmm. drives insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So candida is an overgrowth of yeast in the gut. It's contributing to this concept of insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So your collective load of sugar you need to be looking at. Now, again, fruit sugar, when you're eating whole fruit, is going to be metabolized differently mm-hmm. than sugar from alcohol or sugar from right. you know sweets or things like that. But if you are drinking alcohol and if you are doing sweets, then you have to understand how much fruit you're getting into because it's a part of that overall equation. So I think understanding where you are with sugar consumption, alcohol consumption, lowering dairy, lowering gluten, and then bringing your meat consumption down. I mean, those are four, you know, day-to-day things that if everyone worked on and kind of got themselves into a rhythm of what they know mm-hmm. or, in, you know, can land in a particular place, then uh, I would say they're almost 75, 80% there, you know, and then the right. person who wants to, you know, eat for their genetics mm-hmm. or lose that like last five pounds or those last few inches, they're the ones that are going to dial more deeper mm-hmm. into some of these concepts that we work with on a day in day out basis of, you know, yes, you also actually need to avoid this food and you need to do that or mm-hmm. things like that. But that's where I would start, you know, if everyone yeah. needed a starting point. Great. So obviously, all this food comes first. All the stuff mm-hmm. we're talking about. Um, but for the person that's out there that has interest in supplements and supporting 
different issues, what, uh, specifically the things we're talking about here, thyroid hormones, testosterone. Are there some supplements that you recommend to people? Definitely. And, you know, a lot of the supplementation, I think, has to be tied back to the primary concepts mm. that are affecting. Like I have, and I'm sure, Will, you go through this too. I'll have patients come in and they have bags of supplements. They, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, some of them, so there, there are three types, if you can envision them. There's one that's like, I take my multivitamin every day. So that's one type of patient. And they don't do anything else. And they don't really want to do too much more. There's the other that researches everything on Google mm. and they buy every bottle they do it for maybe two or three weeks and then they move on to the next thing they see so they have bags of supplements mm. everywhere so we Guilty have as charged. yes so we have <laughs> we have that patient and then uh, the last one is uh, the folks that don't believe you need to supplement mm. they don't believe it's even necessary well my doctor told me that if I eat right then there's no need for supplementation so here's the problem with each of those scenarios is that our food today even when we do eat right does not have you know, the nutrient quality mm -hmm. that food had 25 years ago, sure. 50 years ago. So even when, when we're doing our best, sometimes there are things that we still lack. Further, this is what's super interesting to me, is that this whole, well, it's in my family, that's in my family. What's really in your mm -hmm. family are these genetic tendencies to certain nutritional deficiencies that nobody ever figured out, mm -hmm. and that drove the diseases and the stories that Habits. your family still tells yeah, yeah. and the habits that yeah, have right. been passed on over time. Nurture so, versus nature. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like, you know, there's, you know, Will knows this, there's a gene for dictating the fact that you're always going to be low in vitamin D, no mm -hmm. matter what you do. There's a gene mm -hmm. for dictating the fact that you're going to be low in the B vitamins. And so I think what science is telling us today is that if anything, to contradict what your conventional physician or uh, the conventional medical community is saying is that supplementation is needed. We mm -hmm. just didn't know enough before to be able to talk about it in science. The way we talked about it before is people get better, people feel better. So the supplements when it comes to men's health that I would focus on, if we're going to go back to our critical concepts, which are gut, liver, mm -hmm. insulin resistance, and hormone balance, and try to match them there in a very general way, I would start like most men should be on a probiotic. Mm -hmm. We do want them on omega-3 because we know it helps to lower inflammation and insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. So going on an omega-3 or a fish oil, usually I say about two grams a day. I do want most men on a methylated B vitamin because the B vitamins play such a critical role in hormone metabolism. So for if you've got estrogen, it helps to break the estrogen down. It helps with thyroid function. It mm -hmm. helps with you know other, other sort of pathways in the body too, like anxiety and depression and some of these things. So a methylated B vitamin is something I would do and I would do something for the liver like I would do either milk thistle which helps with liver detoxification so you sort of laid a nice foundation mm -hmm. for whatever you're going to do next and for everybody willing to kind of go to the next level you know there are specific supplements that help each hormone and as practitioners we all have the ones that we get comfortable with or we like the best but for testosterone often I'll start men on zinc or arginine before mm -hmm. I'll do any sort of testosterone replacement and work on their gut that's kind of where we'll begin you know for thyroid we like iodine and selenium so that's mm -hmm. super helpful in terms of boosting thyroid function before you jump to that step of giving thyroid hormone for the adrenals going back to my husband with hey I need to be on DHEA but his mm -hmm. DHEA because of stress was already like through the roof so he's not the person that needed to be on DHEA mm -hmm. but if your DHEA is low then sometimes supplementing with DHEA or the whole host of families which is what he's doing now of herbs that help mm -hmm. with adrenal support so so things like ashwagandha mm. or rhodiola or 
any of these Tulsi, yeah, yeah, holy basil, all of these sort of adaptogens that help us in the stress management Mm -hmm. equation. So that's kind of maybe level two of supplementation. And then probably level three is where you really need somebody like Will or I to to help because we're digging into those big concepts. Mm -hmm. We're getting into, you know, what are your what does your chemistry say about and what do your genetics say about your risk? And Mm -hmm. there are these key functional medicine concepts and are we supplementing for them? And then we decide how much deeper we need to go. So it's a very layered or a mm-hmm. tiered approach is sort of the way I like to think about it. So we mm-hmm. sort of have where what every man needs to do, kind of targeting a little bit more towards hormones and hormone balance, and then targeting more to prevention and things that age us quickly. Is there any risk to like, you know, I think what a lot of us have a tendency to do all the things and throw everything yep. at it. Mm-hmm. And then you end up with, you're taking 36 different supplements on a daily basis and You've got diarrhea all the time because you're taking all this stuff. And is there is there risk to doing this too? Because I think a lot of times we just have a tendency like, okay, what do I take? I'll take it all. Yeah. More is better. So so I this is something we deliberately in practice and I work really hard to train my team on mm-hmm. because we've all as practitioners kind of done this evolution. I see it when the new guys come in and join us too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, he has that. I'm going to put him on that. I'm going to put him on this. I'm going to do this. And before you know it, you've built this treatment plan, much like the patient, and they have 10 to 20 things they're supposed to do or take mm-hmm. in any given day. It's simply, A, not realistic. People have burnout and they get tired of it. Right. Financially, mm-hmm. it's tough right, to keep that up and maintain it. And then right. I don't think that's the way the body works. Mm-hmm. The body works in a very quiet humming way where Mm. give it what it needs, you know, and then evolve, change, check, you know, give it what it needs again, you know, so it's almost like this conversation you're having with your body, you know, on a, on a regular basis. And it's up to you as the, the patient or the owner of your body, just like your car, it's up to you to decide the frequency of that conversation. Are you mm-hmm. doing something daily? Are you doing it weekly? Are you seeing your practitioner monthly or quarterly? Again, you, you decide what that is based on how you're doing. But, you know, we never want, I've trained the team, you never want to do more than a about five to six supplements at one time. Mm -hmm. And what Mm -hmm. that takes from you, the patient, and me, the practitioner, is being incredibly focused and deliberate and understanding what the imminent issues are and maybe what you want to work on long-term and merging those together. So we do this whole thing called core concept, and I'll quiz my team. I'm like, what's the core concept? Why do you have them on this or that? You're not sticking to the core concept for Mm -hmm. this visit. At the Mm -hmm. next visit, you can switch. But that way, you're forcing everybody in the room to really dial into what we need to work on right now mm-hmm. rather than everything sounds great so I'm going to do it all. Right. Right. Like prioritize right. the more core reasons. Yeah, right. that's well said. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. So as far as something that I I see clinically too that we haven't talked about is sleep. Yes. And the impact that has on our health. And we've talked a little bit about it on the show, but we didn't really go into detail about what that can do to our health. And uh, can you can you kind of dig into that and what how important sleep is to our health? Definitely. You know, anytime I'm asked to talk about sleep, I I revert back to Chinese medicine because I feel mm-hmm. like they did the best job 
of helping us understand why sleep is important. Because as a former emergency room doctor, someone who still skimps on sleep, who had altered sleep, you know, I've had every sleep excuse that, Mm -hmm. you know, that I know of, like, well, I'm catching up on sleep, or I'll sleep in later, or Mm -hmm. I'll sleep on the weekend. But a lot of my story, and the story of so many of my patients, is that when sleep is consistently disrupted, then it has long-term health impacts on the body. So the way the Chinese medicine model describes it so beautifully, I think, is that, you know, we each have energy, we have meridians, each of those meridians need a resting time. Mm -hmm. And when they don't get the rest that they need, they get messed up. So guess what the meridians are from 10 p.m. to like 6 a.m., 7 a.m. in the morning? Liver. It's the liver. And guess what the national epidemic, if you're going to look at it from a Chinese medicine standpoint, is in the country amongst everyone, I would say women and men, mm-hmm. is liver meridian issues. Yeah. You know, where, right. where and that's that, where insulin resistance happens. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where the adrenals play into. That's where everything plays into. So not sleeping in the Chinese medical model, especially between the hours of roughly midnight to 5 a.m., if you skimped on that window, was prescriptive in their medicine for creating Mm -hmm. disease down the road. And what that disease was would be dependent on the person. Like you might get diabetes, I might get rheumatoid arthritis, you know, she might get something Mm -hmm. else, you know, but it was very dependent on who you were as a person. Well, that's exactly what's playing out in science, right? Where we see the disrupted sleep cycles play into anxiety, they Uh play into depression, they play into inflammation and insulin resistance. They cause weight gain, which furthers that Mm -hmm. concept of insulin resistance. And most importantly, they disrupt hormones in women and men. So it's so important to get consistent sleep the majority Mm -hmm. of the time. And I meet patients who remind me of my former self where we didn't have a choice, Mm -hmm. right? You have to work the night shift. You have to travel. You have to go to another country. You have to do some of these things. And so I think when you're in those positions, it's so important to double down on your Mm self-care. How are you going to allow your body to recuperate from this? Mm -hmm. And if you're in control of this, and this is sort of self-induced where you're the type that wants to stay up all night working or checking emails or things like that, then those are self-checks and self-regulatory things mm-hmm. that you need to put into place. So you can only do that maybe one night a week, but you can't do that you know, the other six nights of the week because mm-hmm. you have to recover and you have to recoup. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. I remember the first time I went to see a Chinese doctor, which was over 20 years ago, and he was explaining to me, well, you have, you have um, liver issues and your liver is regenerating between one and two in the morning. I'm like, what are you talking about? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny yeah. now to like many, many years later to understand as I've done a lot of other hormone testing and uh, to see the, and, and understand more this this notion of circadian rhythm of your hormones, like cortisol levels being elevated at different times. Mine, for instance, being elevated at night when mm-hmm. they probably shouldn't be shouldn't and be. low in the morning. And all of that's indicative of not of, of disruptive sleep patterns. And I've as it's been something that I've been focusing on in the past year, I've noticed a tremendous difference just in how I feel um, by being able to finally get to the point where I'm creating routines and sleeping better because sleep is just so, it's so crucial and we don't. It's critical. You know. And also when we talk, you know, we've talked a lot about hormones mm-hmm. and insulin resistance and inflammation. We haven't touched too much upon brain health mm-hmm. and the threat of Alzheimer's and the increasing levels of Alzheimer's that we're seeing today. And one of the key components to Alzheimer's prevention and to even preventing mental health issues and dementia and all of that type of stuff is sleep, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think I was, you know, 
I was shocked into it. It's not, probably not the right word, but we actually had <clears throat> probably someone you know, uh, Will, but we had a, a Dr. Mark come in who does brain mapping into uh-huh. the practice, and he mapped my mm-hmm. brain, and he was like, you need to sleep. He's yeah. like, uh, you're right side's degenerating, you know, because he could tell, you mm-hmm. know, the difference between the brainwave pattern. So it was just a reminder to me, like, I'm pretty health conscious, but if there is one thing I skimp on uh-huh. for many reasons over the last 20 you know, years or so, it's been sleep, right. you know. So yeah. I think it's really, really important to understand that, you know, we can get into how important sleep is for so many different things, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. our cognitive function is so dependent upon rest and rejuvenation mm-hmm. and allowing light to be out of the room, sound to be yeah. out of the room, deep, 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 restful sleep. Do, does it depend on the individual? Do some people need more sleep mm-hmm. than others? I do think so. I do see people wired differently. Uh-huh. But the problem with that is that those of us that kind of walk around bragging that we don't need that much sleep yeah. get into a lot of trouble really fast. Uh-huh. You know, so right. I think that, yes, there are some people that have a higher, like they need nine hours versus mm-hmm. seven. There's some that need six versus eight. Mm-hmm. You know, there are those folks. But the quality, the depth of the sleep, and nobody should be skimping and doing less than six hours of sleep a night, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. I think I think that's that's where um, people really set themselves up for trouble right. down the road. Right. Right. And I think sometimes it's how taxed is that person's system that they bought their body needs to rejuvenate mm-hmm. and right. repair. Because right. if people are dealing with all these health issues, their body needs to repair and they're not giving it the time to right. do it at night. Right. Mm-hmm. It's such a healer, right? I mean, Hippocrates used to put people in sleep chambers to heal them mm-hmm. of disease. You know, there were these dark caves that he would prescribe literally uh-huh. like, you know, you need to go into the cave for X amount of time to recover mm-hmm. because sleep is the ultimate healer. And Again, it goes back to we could be doing 50 other health and wellness things, uh-huh. right? But if you're not sleeping, the traction you're going to make is With going to be else, yeah, minimal, minimal yeah. you know? So it's just yeah. really important to understand how important that is. Oh, amazing. Well, Dr. Taz, thank you so much. I think I need to take a nap now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, like I should that be boring? Take, yeah, no. no, no, I think I'm I need a therapeutic nap. No, I'm very, you're inspiring. I'm the I need a cave somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. We'll build some caves here in LA. I love that. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our conversation with Dr. Taz Bhatia. She is such a fascinating person to speak to. She says things very eloquently, very easy to understand. So this stuff's so important to talk about. There's so many people out there, women and men, anybody that are going through health problems, they feel that just because something's common, they equate that with normal. Uh, Just because something's common doesn't necessarily mean it's normal. And many people are going through fatigue or libido or they're not sleeping well and they're not really asking the questions why. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. that we covered this stuff. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, I I thought it was fascinating that she mentioned more and more men are coming into into her practice now, which is great the conversation is spreading out to men and she's like, what's happened? Have the women abandoned us? But I think it's more that she's gotten enough women on the, on the right program and the, the men in their lives are seeing them doing well. And I was really interested to hear her talk about Chinese medicine and then kind of wrap that into how we're seeing in conventional medicine, um, validating these, these, you know, centuries old wisdoms that, mm-hmm. that we've kind of believed. I think a lot of us that are more in the woo alternative world have believed in, but it's great to see that now we are, it's being validated through labs and tests and blood work. Mm-hmm. Sure. So for more on Dr. Taz Bhatia, head to drtaz.com. That's T-A-Z. And be sure to check out her books. Um, she's got three really great books and hopefully another one coming down the pipe. What Doctors Eat, The 21-Day Belly Fix, 
and Superwoman RX. Got a question you'd like us to answer? The Goop team is keeping a running list for us, so just hit them up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. At the end of every episode, we'll be answering a question from one of you guys. If you have a question about us or about men and wellness or really anything else is on your mind, just let us know. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies and ways to approach health and well-being. And I love to talk about food and cooking and, well, reality is anything. I just love to talk. So send your questions over to the Goop team on Instagram or Facebook. As Goop likes to say, nothing is off limits. All right, it's time for another edition of AMA, Ask Me Anything. Uh, Steven wants to know, what do you think of apple cider vinegar? Uh, it's a great, good food medicine. It's a good astringent. I, I use it for different things. I occasionally, uh, like my throat's a little bit uh, uh-huh. scratchy right now for people that are listening. Uh, so I, I actually used it yesterday. Mm-hmm. I get the one at the Bragg's Yeah, Bragg's brand, with, the, with the mother. W- with the mother, which is like the kind of the apple cider vinegar version of a SCOBY. It's like the fermentation, the the the, the yeah, like symbiotic the culture of yep. bacteria, yeast. Yeah, so it is a, a good food medicine. Mm-hmm. How about you, Chef? Yeah, well, I mean, I use it for I use it in the kitchen because it tastes delicious. Um, I will, much like you, when my throat is not doing so well, if I'm not feeling great, I'll make kind of a hot toddy with um, apple cider vinegar. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. yeah. I use, now this is where I'm going to get a little weird on you, but um, I haven't done this in a while, but I used to always keep a bottle of Bragg's in the shower. Ah. And tell me why. Well, let me enlighten you. <laughs> as, um, as you may know, and uh, Elise always loves to remind me of, of this, I don't wash my hair. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, I actually, oh, I, I actually I did know that because yeah. Goop gave you some shampoo. And yeah, you, it was, I was like, like gonna give a record. You, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I haven't used shampoo in years. Uh, microbiome is on point. On point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but what I what I I haven't done this in a while, but I used to do this quite a bit. I would like once every couple of weeks, I would use apple cider vinegar in my hair. Then rinse it out thoroughly, and then I would use a natural conditioner or use um, some coconut oil in it. Cool. Um, and uh, my hair is thriving. It is. It looks out. amazing, ladies uh, and gentlemen. But also, like I, I uh, have used apple cider vinegar at, at, to to bathe with as well. Wow. Um, yeah. So you I are mean, very crunchy. Well, yeah, a little bit. You, you are know. from Vermont. Yeah, I am all. from Vermont. Exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I like I like apple cider vinegar. When you cook with it, if you're cooking, if you're using it at obviously high temperature, you're probably going to kill most of the the right. good bacteria in it. But um, still, has a lot of flavor, and it's will lower your pH, mm-hmm. and it's antimicrobial. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of has a lot of good uh, health yeah. supportive benefits. There's, I mean, there's there's traditions of drinking vinegar around the world, um, so it's a, it's a nice additive to use in uh, in a beverage if you're making like a you know a mocktail or some sort of yeah. Beverage. Yeah, because most people have uh, their pH is too high. Yeah. They have too low stomach acid, hypochlorhydria. Yeah, too, too hypochlorhydria. Too low high. Uh, high stomach acid. Yeah. Uh, so which makes it things. difficult to break down things like meat. We were talking about this exactly. earlier. Exactly. So yeah. for these people who have problem digesting digesting meats and certain foods, yeah, this can be a supporter. Yeah. You know, and one other thing on this because you mentioned Vermont, and I did grow up in Vermont. I grew up on a farm. Um, in the summer, the beverage that we would drink, which we call Vermont Gatorade, is do you know what it's called? I, I don't. Wait for it. Switchel. 
Switchel. Yeah, so Switchel is made with apple cider vinegar and maple syrup and a little bit of sea salt in water. And it's uh it's a like a hydrating drink that you would drink when you're when you're during haying season in Vermont when you're you know, you're baling hay and it's very hot and sweaty and hard work. Yeah. You keep a jug of Switchel on the in the uh, hay wagon and that's what you sip And on. it's apple cider vinegar? Yeah, we put apple cider vinegar, water, uh, maple syrup. You can some people uh, do it with lemon juice, but oh, it's almost like the the master cleanse. Yep, yeah. But in it's a way. been around for forever. And yeah. In fact, now they're you know, hipsters with mustaches in Brooklyn making Switchel. Wow. There you go, folks. Shampoo yeah. and Switchel. That's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon. Hey, guys. It's Seamus Mullen here. This time, I have a little favor to ask of you. We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. So if you have two minutes, and it really does only take two minutes, help us make the Goop Fellows podcast an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Go to listenerq, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q dot com slash goopfellas, G-O-O-P-F-E-L-L-A-S, and take the short survey. Like I said, it just takes two minutes. And then you can get back to listening to Goop Fellas because we've got some great more guests lined up. You can also give us direct feedback on the show. Tell us what you're enjoying, what you'd like to see more of. We'd love to know. Plus, as a thank you, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. That's it. Head to listenerq.com slash goopfellas. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q dot com slash goopfellas. G-O-O-P-F-E-L-L-A-S.